Welcome to Season 3 of This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley, a podcast about the Bay Area, technology, and culture. I'm your host, Sunil Rajaraman, and I'm joined by my co-host, Yasha Kekiswold. Sunil, do you ever just chit-chat with family members and ask them kind of questions about when they were growing up? All the time. I mean, everybody has a story in the family and you, and you definitely know that oftentimes they're the most interesting story, but I don't know what they are most of the time. Me neither. And I absolutely love getting to ask questions about what happened with my family, what happened in previous generations, what happened with this aunt or uncle who I haven't seen forever. I just love the idea of it. I never seem to be able to find enough time. Well, our, uh, guest today, Amelia Lynn, is working on a product that solves just that. Um, it's called Saga, and you know it's really relevant right now during the pandemic when people are trying to document stories. But it helps uh, you know our older generations record their story and essentially play it back as a podcast format. And it has all sorts of wide-reaching implications, which we get into with Amelia on the podcast, including could we actually recreate the personality of you know, loved one through voice. This sounds like a future sci-fi movie to me. She reminds me, by the way, of like the archetype of Silicon Valley, like forever an optimist, super scrappy, and also uh, a really privileged background with education. Really enjoyed uh, today's interview. We hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. It's a beautiful Friday. We're recording this right before a long Memorial Day weekend, which is pretty awesome. Um, kind of makes you appreciate being in the Bay Area a little bit when when the weather is like this. Oh, totally. I like. I totally have friends on the East Coast too. You know, uh, I, I think it snowed in New York like only a couple weeks ago, and I, you realize how spoiled you are being out here. You're like, no thanks. Are you a Are you a Bay Area person? Is this normal for you? Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a Bay Area native. I am a transplant, like most people here. So I am actually from Texas originally. Um, so I grew up in like baking, baking hot heat. Uh, that's where my family is still. And is baking hot heat a city? Baking hot heat the city in Texas? We're in Texas. Baking oh hot. Um, yeah. There's like a little suburb called Plano outside of Dallas. Um, and it is, and yeah, so I so I grew up in a place that was very hot, and I went to school in uh, Boston, Cambridge, I guess specifically. So then I had it was like very very cold, at least to me, Texas native. And then I, so I feel like you know I, I did like the Goldilocks thing. I went from like really hot to really cold, and then I moved to the Bay Area, and I was like, this is just right. Now I'm just gonna stay here and never leave. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so the Bay Area was just just right, um, but. Boston. Let's talk about Boston for a second. Um, uh, you are your first guest to ever be double Harvard. Uh, and so Harvard undergrad, Harvard graduate school. I know that we're going to talk a lot about Saga, which is your very, very interesting company, which we talked about a little bit in the intro. But but tell us about education right now, because I'm giving you a little bit of a hard time. But where is where is all this headed? Because we're, we're in the midst of this global pandemic. And we're hearing a lot of narratives about education. What's your quick take? Right. So I'm a little biased because uh, before I worked on Saga, I was actually, I worked at Udacity. 
so online education, ed tech. Uh, and I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer in just how much um, promise I really think there is for new ways of learning. And, and the second reason I'm biased is because I myself, I, I'm, I'm beneficiary of that. So um, a lot of the stuff that I ended up picking over the years, a lot of the coding that I know is is self-taught. Um, and you mean. I will probably, I don't know if we'll get to it later, but like, yeah, like in, in, in business school and undergrad, like I was, I was like, just kind of picking stuff up like for fun online. And a lot of that is what I credit, uh, you know, breaking into, into product, um, with, cause I didn't start out in tech at all. Actually, I had a very, very different career before. Um, and so I really lived through that path, you know, of, of online education, unlocking new career paths, um, even though I wasn't coming from a tr super traditional path. And so I'm actually very optimistic that during this time, people will become more open-minded, both as students and also as recruiters, uh, about where people can be picking up skills. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm really, I'm actually really excited about that. We're, uh, we're recording this the day after the UC system just announced that they're no longer going to consider the SAT and the ACT in admissions, um, which is pretty which interesting. I, I mean, what a, what a, what I, I'd love to hear. Yeah. What are your, what are your quick thoughts riff on that for us? I used to be in my summers, a professional SAT tutor is one of the ways I made money over the summer. <laughs> um, so I actually took the SAT weirdly young, super young. This is like such a weird fact. It's probably one of the weirdest random facts about my, myself, but I actually took the SAT when I was in seventh grade. Um, was Who doesn't the though? SAT. Everybody does that. Is that, is there a, did that? No. Oh, okay. Okay. Nobody does oh, that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I took the SAT in seventh grade and I actually scored well enough on it that I became a SAT tutor in my free time as a eighth grader. So I would like tutor like high schoolers, which is super awkward. But it was really great money. I mean, you can imagine, like, you know, as a kid, it's like, so I was charging like $50 an hour, which is, yeah, that's, that's pretty good money as a kid. Anyway, um, anyway, and so, yeah, I, I'm such a believer that the SAT is just an entirely trainable. I mean, that was totally my experience was I learned, I learned how to take the test. Um, and uh, there's also all these studies that show that the correlation between, even though the SAT is meant to be, an equalizer for um, economic opportunity. In truth, it's actually more strongly correlated now with income than GPA. And because who are the people who are like, you know, like paying me as a teacher? Yeah, that's fascinating. Like, that's really fascinating. Yeah. It's like people who have the money to afford the yeah, prep exactly. courses. Exactly, right? They hire me. <laughs> I would teach how to take the SAT. Um, so, so yeah, I'm actually, I'm actually a fan of that, even though, of course, I'm like, my past self would be sad because it's a great source of income. <laughs> well, how, how do you, how do you think about well, being double Harvard and the benefits of being in a location in a community um, kind of first, and then being able to expand out into developing new skills, which by the way, I'm an enormous fan of like the idea that you can find kind of spot training or support to build a completely new set of capabilities and do that entirely remotely. Like, do you think that in the future we still need to have that, uh, that kind of benefit of being in a community like you had over the course of several years? You know, when I, my, I, my, my four years at undergrad at Harvard are some of they're honestly like the fondest memory. Those years are the fondest memories of my life. 
but when I think about, you know, why is that? I mean, obviously, I mean, for me, so I, you know, I was a huge nerd in high school. I, I was one of those kids who actually really loved school. You know, I was like, oh, it's like so fun. I'm like going to go like hang out with all my friends, like take my classes. Like I'm sure that was, you know, whatever. I was not one of those kids who's like school is boring. Um, but, you know, the reason why, and so I was super excited about, of course, about all the kind of opportunities to learn things. But of course, the reason why those four years are, are, are some of the best memories of my life is, is because I'm, I met my best friends there, right? It's the people. So, you know, I think if 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 you're going to look at what is the value that you get from that in-person experience, it's literally that I like lived with, you know, these four girls for like so many years and they've become like my, my absolute best friends and we've all been like bridesmaids and, you know, for each other and, and, and all of that. Um, and so, you know, I think that if you're if you're gonna if you're gonna go do like the in the in person experience, like that's super valuable. And I would say the same thing for business school. Like the most valuable thing that came out of business school was meeting people and mm-hmm. the relationships. Like really more than uh, like frankly, I think like. Well, I, I completely tactics. agree with that. And so, you know, turning that back full circle, um, what do you? I mean, I. I I, I had the same experience in college. We, Yash and I both went to small liberal arts colleges, but you have that core group of three or four people and then business school as well, where, you know, they are lifelong friends and, yeah. you know, college and business school is really the only time in your life or whatever schools you go to professionally, um, where you're around people the same age, confined in the same space, forced to push your own thoughts and opinions and, you know, forward your thinking and, to me, that just seems difficult to recreate through a Udacity or a Udemy or a Coursera. And, you know, I, this will be the last thought on education, I promise. I want to talk a lot about Saga, but what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Is it, is it possible to recreate that without the in-person experience or what, and even with remote work for that matter? I think it is. And I, the reason I say that is because I like know somebody firsthand who this is, who, you know, has lived through this, but it's definitely more difficult. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that you see um, ed tech companies doing, uh, working on, like really, really thinking very hard about in these last few years is how you recreate that community. But for example, so one of the things that I have always thought was so striking. Uh, so, so my, my boyfriend, um, he is really into open source. So he's an engineer and he, he loves working on open source on, in his free time. And literally his best friends, and I didn't, I remember when I was like, we were first dating, and we've been together for like many years. So you're calling him my boyfriend. It's, he's really more a partner, but like, um, I remember when we first met, I was so surprised and I realized that his best friend, like literally the dude who he was like, this would be my groomsman, was this guy who like, they, you know, didn't meet in person for like, years and the more that i like kind of learned about him and his closest friends they're people from all over the world they're people who he's basically met through working together on open source projects and they're legit his best friends um and they just have this super close bond and that to me is incredible like they didn't have have any kind of like you know fancy coursework or anything they just literally were like all working together on the same projects and built this incredible bond together. So I I have seen through his experience that this is possible. I mean, these are the people, you know, who will come to the wedding one day. It's like, it's going to be like these guys. Um, but, uh, but it's definitely, it's definitely harder. Yeah. And I've lived yeah. through that too, like having taken online courses that it, it can be very isolating. Right. Yeah. And so like, 
that be, has it's, to be designed in. It's kind of funny. I have three kids and they've not been physically in school. They've been doing distance learning over the course of the last couple of months. And we're now to a point where we've got kind of agreements with a handful of families that we all are comfortable with kind of how everybody is kind of managing themselves. And so we're putting together opportunities for our kids to see each other. And what's happening now is that when one of the kids comes over to our house or our kid goes over to one of their houses, the first thing that happens for like the first 45 minutes is that it's just like excruciatingly, agonizingly awkwardness. <laughs> and and like the, the social skills, the interactions are, are not working particularly well out of the gate. So maybe it'd be funny where you can develop all these kind of online community relationships and then school is gonna be all about how do you actually have a conversation with somebody in real life and interact with them? <laughs> it's so true. It's like a new way of, of communicating. But you know what's funny? Okay, so there's this great book that I read once that was basically like, it was like the history of communication. It was really, actually really, really interesting. But it was basically like the history of communication. I have to like find the title. But, and they, they one of the things I remember from this book was they showed um, like these first these first like telephone calls that people would make. And it was like the advent of the telephone. And people would literally like on the telephone call be like, dear so-and-so, blah, 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 blah. That's sincerely like, <laughs> or whatever, right? It was always like, people didn't know how to have phone calls. They were like, use it like a letter. Cause they're like, oh, I don't know how to write a letter. So like, that's what I'm gonna do. And it's just like, it's so funny. It's like, you know, whatever. He really just had to adapt like again and again and again over time to new forms of communication. I'm sure we'll do it again. It'll be fine. I think you're probably right. So Neil and I are still trying to no. adapt to not being in the same room and talking over each other. But the the, the way we, <laughs> we're training ourselves is by keeping uh, uh, a, a jar of money in front of us. And every time we talk to each other, we pay a dollar in. Sunil's up to like $6,000. I'm up to like 12. We're working on it though. <laughs> it's going to get better, right, Sunil? We're working on it. We're working on it. Um, I want to, I want to get into saga and the whole notion of narrative. And I have a bunch of lines of, of questioning on this. So I'm going to, I'm going to forewarn you, Amelia, but <laughs> first just explain saga, explain how it started and what you want to do with it. Because uh, my first reaction is, this is a product we can all use, it's great. And documenting history is really, really important uh, to me and to Yasha, that's why we do the podcast. But where are you going with it? And what what is it? Yeah, so Saga, we're, we're an app, we're, and uh, we help families save life stories of loved ones on voice audio. So, um, it, we actually, the way that we describe it sometimes is it's a lot like getting a podcast of your grandma's childhood stories. So in podcast language and, uh, the way that it started was it started as actually a personal project for my own parents. So, um, I had been actually begging my mom and dad for, for many, many years to find some way of saving these stories for me. It used to tell me and my sister when we were growing up as kids about their lives growing up during the uh, Chinese Cultural Revolution. It was just, it was such a different world and a different time. And even as a kid, I was like kind of fascinated by some of these things that they would share. They're just so alien. But I think as I grew older, those things became even more meaningful and more precious. And you would start to appreciate them more and more and you and I really started feeling like first of all 
I want my kids to hear these stories. I mean, like, I, I want them to understand, like, you know, what, what, um, what the grandparents, like, you know, kind of, kind of went through where they came from. But it also felt really important to me that it not be from me, that it be from their voice. I really felt like, you know, it's not going to be nearly as effective if I say, did you know your dad lived through this? Or sorry, did you know that grandpa lived through this and grandma lived through this? And, you know, it just wasn't going to be as powerful as actually hearing it from the person who lived through it. Um, and so I'd always bring this up to my mom and dad. And I mean, they could tell you, I've said it so many times over the years, like, you know, would you write a book about yourselves? Or, you know, I, I wish we could make like a documentary about you guys or something. Uh, and they'd always say, that's very, very sweet. Amelia, we're super flattered. Uh, it sounds really cool. Maybe when we retire someday, because writing a book sounds like a huge undertaking. Right. And um, and so it always just felt like this really big project that would maybe happen someday. But I really felt like I really got to get this stuff saved. I just like I didn't. Want, I I really wanted to make it. So I wanted to find a way to make it easy. I wanted to find a way that made it hopefully fun for them and mm -hmm. not feel like this big, laborious, nebulous chore. And it was important to me that it'd be something that we could do even if I was in California and my family's in Texas. So um, yeah, and all of those things basically kind of led me to, I said, look, mom, dad, like I really, you know, I've always wanted to try to get your story saved. Would you let me experiment on you? Like I just want, I'm just gonna try a bunch of different things on you and will you be my experiment subjects? And, you know, at worst, I'll finally get the story saved that I've always wanted anyway. At least I'll get them saved in some form. And like, you know, at the, but maybe, maybe we'll find something along the way that would make it like easier for other other families to do this. Right. Yeah. If you want to, I can do a real quick recap of just like, well, how does the product actually work? <laughs> so, so um, this is a really fascinating idea. And I guess I kind of giggle because you, you were talking a little bit about how the book that you read and the story around like using telephone at the beginning, nobody knew how to use it. You found the same thing, I'd imagine, right? Um, but as soon as you start to ask people to tell stories that nobody knows how to do that, right? Or, or do you think that's pretty intuitive? Like, is it easy for people to tell stories, um, especially in no. a, an environment like the way that you've set up? So, uh, yeah, we definitely had to, we learned by doing it ourselves. Um, I remember I started out literally by just like calling people and like interviewing them. So kind of as soon as I started sharing this idea, I had like friends and coworkers say, that's really interesting. Um, I'd actually love that for my grandma, mm -hmm. you know, or my dad, or, um, you know, would, would you, could, can, can you test with them? Yeah. And at the beginning, I had no idea how we were going to do this. And I would literally just be like, I'd schedule a time and I'd call them and I'd just like ask them about their lives. Um, and so one of the things that we figured out pretty quickly early on was that the prompts were very important, mm -hmm. um, that people do have a hard time with just like coming up off the cuff with something which makes total sense. And I'm sure it's no surprise to you all as podcast hosts. Um, and that uh, and when we and when we started to say, hey, we have some like suggested topics and suggested questions, people would say, oh, thank you. That's really helpful. Like, I really like that. Got it. Yeah. What, um, what's the best question to ask a person to get them to tell a story about their life? Oh, there are some really good ones. So I definitely have some personal favorites. So we have, we have hundreds now in our question bank, but I definitely have a couple that I'm partial to. Um, 
So some of them are lighter and some are serious. Mm-hmm. One of the some of, one of the lighter ones that I like a lot is tell me about the biggest trouble you ever got into when you were a kid, because it often elicits things that like often actually a lot of people sometimes will be like I've never heard you know, that I never heard that story from my grandma and it's it could be like really hilarious and kind of humanizing. Um, one of the more serious ones that I really love is what went through your mind the first time you saw your child. And that one like gets people, including myself, when I heard this response from my own dad, like crying because Uh it is just so incredible. I think it becomes even more powerful when you have become a parent yourself to hear that. Where do you, where do you go with this product? Are you trying to replace all podcasters? Just automate us all? You know, it's so funny because we actually did not start out even realizing that there was this analogy to podcasts. Like literally we were just like, hey, we're gonna record stories. We tried tons of different formats. We tried people writing questions. We tried video, we tried all sorts of stuff. And um, and after we decided, hey, there's something really powerful but simple about voice that we like, um, we started doing that. And then a couple of families started um, writing back to us and saying, hey, do you think I could send these episodes to my podcast player? And that was that sort of weird aha moment where we're like, wow, that's so true. This is very podcast-like. So the way that it works is that we send these question prompts weekly and they're things like the, you know, hey, tell me about the biggest trouble you got into your kid. These things are meant to prompt memories. People record their answers and then it gets like shared to the family. And it's, it's kind of like, hey, here's like the latest podcast episode, right? Um, so we actually didn't realize the podcast like connection until, until our own users pointed it out. But the bigger vision for us, you know, I think that for us, it really has been about creating a space for deeper and more meaningful connections with the people who you're closest to. And it's so ironic because um, in a lot of ways, like what we're kind of creating is, is it's this like private space for your family, but it's very different from any other kind of social network you could really imagine. Um, it's very it's very intimate. It's sort of default private. Um, people will sometimes share very long stories. We've had recordings that are over an hour. Yeah. You know, that's very unlike, you know, 140 characters. Um, and so it, I think for us, you know, the thing that really um, drives us and motivates and sort of our big dream is that you come out of the other end of listening to one of these stories feeling like you know something deeper and like have a deeper connection than you did before. Maybe learn something you never knew about someone you really care about. So Amelia, I have to, I have to ask you because Yasha did joke about it, but I actually had half a thought in my head about this. I've been watching too much Westworld maybe, (laughs) but is part of the product vision to, you know, capture the essence of what people are so that we can live on with them. And I don't know, in some sort of AI way, <laughs> recreate their voice and the way their, their manner of speaking, there've been all sorts of, you know, sci-fi things about this before, but has that crossed your mind? You know, it's totally come up, you know, one of our earliest users, she was a really sweet woman. Um, in Omaha who had found our site. And I remember I was on the, I was on the phone call with her and she's in her sixties and she was actually wanting to um, buy and use our product for, for her mother-in-law. 
And I remember asking her, I said, so what got you interested? I'm always curious, you know, as a founder and as a creative party, you're always like, what got you interested in this? Why, why are you trying this out? And she said, well, I've always imagined that there's someday going to be, you know, an AI cloud of like all of our beings. And I'm like listening to this woman, you know, kind of going this like super techie, like vision of the future. And it's like, wow, wow. Like she's got it all figured out. Um, you know, she was one of her earliest users and I wasn't expecting that answer. Uh, so it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely come up. I think it's, it whether the implementation is literally as sort of like a, you know, a, like a, like a tech, a, like a techie, a, a techie afterlife. <laughs> um, it's certainly there in the genesis of the idea, even from the beginning. I mean, literally the reason why I wanted to do this for my parents is be, it was kind of as a way of honoring them. You know, I just like, I, I just don't want these things to be lost. And I, I, I just wanted to, as much of that essence to kind of be something that would always be there for our family. Um, and not even just for my kids one day, but hopefully for their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids. And that was like in my mind from the very beginning. So this sense of like a legacy that lives on that feels really authentically you was very important, I think, even from the beginning. That makes sense. I, uh, I have to ask, I mean, just because it's also topical, the audio industry, we're talking about podcasts, we're on a podcast. I'm sure you follow some podcast news, but we're also recording this on a week where Joe Rogan, who is, you know, the most popular podcaster on the planet, um, his, uh, his show gets 190 million downloads per month. Uh, Spotify has just basically announced a deal to effectively take him exclusive after announcing deals with Bill Simmons and the Ringer folks and Gimlet Media. You know, where is audio headed? I am, I'm kind of scared of this situation where, you know, we're, we're walled off making choices between Spotify, Apple podcasts, et cetera. Where does this format go both from a business perspective and just an interest perspective uh, in your opinion, after all this activity? You know, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more hopeful. I think I'm more optimistic about it. I think the way that I see it as, is that I think people are starting to really understand and appreciate the potential of voice as a medium. And with that is gonna come a lot of experimentation of different formats. And I do think that, you know, I mean, I, I think some of those are going to be things that, you know, we're fans of and some of them aren't. And some of them are going to be like new and crazy things that we come up with that nobody ever thought of. I kind of think of like, I don't know. I think back to, would anybody have ever thought that there was going to be a whole genre of YouTube videos that were just people reacting to things that they saw, you know, I, or like, I just think there's going to be so much invention. Um, and so I don't know, I'm a little bit more optimistic about sort of like, yes, there is change, but I think there's going to be good that comes with the, that comes with um that comes with it too. Certainly like one of the things that I always have thought about from my end, and I'm, you know, you guys probably have thoughts on this too. One of the reasons why we started Saga was because like, we think there's so many stories from people, from people who, um, might never otherwise get that chance to share that story, right? And it's like, well, you know, maybe it doesn't really matter whether you 
know somebody who makes a podcast or uh, whether your story, you know, has to be like compelling to the largest audience possible. If it's super, super important and meaningful to a few people that you really care about and they really want to hear you, so what, 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 why wouldn't you? If you told me five years ago, we were all going to spend spending hours listening uh, to strangers talking from our phones, that would have sounded super bizarre, <laughs> like super, super bizarre. But that's like basically what you do. And so it's like, well, if you're spending all that time listening to people you don't even know, imagine if those were people you actually like care, like your friends, your family, people you know and love. Like that would be fascinating. I thought you were talking about Clubhouse. Yeah, I, so I, I am yeah. I, I am really interested in and last last question I have around this is just audio in general. And so, you know, podcast is one way that we take up people's time and you know, pretty interesting. I mean, the the thing I like about it as opposed to um, you know, the written word is we get so distracted so easily. I'll be looking at a book or, and then looking up at Netflix at the same time. And it's impossible to focus. Your eyes just betray you. Whereas with ears, um, you can't just by definition, you can't really easily divert attention and it requires a certain amount of focus. Uh, and so I'm, I'm bullish on the format where I'm going with this is, you know, how much that that's a blessing and a curse for, for platforms like yours, which is, you know, how do you, how do you spend that time listening? And, you know, where do you see this going is my question really with audio. Is this, are we going to spend a lot of time on, on listening to stories and, um, or is it going to be podcasting or is it going to be clubhouse or what, what's your version of how audio plays out as a format? I think it's going to be all of the above. Um, I'm sitting here with AirPods in my ears and literally I don't, think there's probably been more than an hour since this morning where I didn't have at least one AirPod in one ear. Like these basically live in my ears now. And, you know, I, and that, and that wasn't, that wasn't always the case. Right. So, I mean, even apart, apart from things like, um, podcasts, just the, the, the fact that like wireless earbuds are like a thing or earphones are like, we're just spending more time, like listening to audio. I think it, it makes the pie bigger for everyone. So there's a lot of ways to spend 24 hours in a day. And so I'm actually very, I'm, I'm of the opinion that like all of the above is going to happen. And that's like totally fine. So we have uh, we have one question that we yeah, always sure. wrap up on. And there I wanna, you go. We did it. We did the talk over each other thing though. We did the two bucks. acknowledge that $2. we did the talk over each other thing. $2, just $2. That's all. It's fine. That's not, it didn't even make a dent in the, in the cash jar. <laughs> we ask um, one question to every guest of the podcast. So I want to set you up with that. Uh, and then uh, maybe I'll, I'll, we'll chat a little bit more and then you can answer the question for our listeners. Um, you spend time on social media. I asked that as a question and looked at you and zoom with that eyebrow. Like maybe it's not a question. Do you spend time on social media? You know what? I actually don't spend a time, a ton of time on social media. It's not, it's never really come naturally to me. You do read a lot, though, sounds like. I do. Cool. I do read uh, quite a bit, yes. Right. Well, a little gonna... bit less than I would like. Um, in, in the last few months, very, as we've gotten pretty busy, but, but normally I read quite a lot. Well, um, we're going to adapt the question a little bit. So first part of the question is on the social networks that you do spend time on, maybe you drift onto Twitter every once in a while or Instagram or something like that, um, a recommended follow for the listeners. So that, that's kind of part question, part question one. 
Second part of question is, um, what's the book that you've read most recently that you remember and want to recommend to the listeners as well? So those are the two parts of the question. The, as you're thinking about it, um, you know, this conversation has been interesting and I think kind of exciting as we talk about audio as a format. I, you know, seemingly you were talking about how there might be a question of whether it is a bunch of stories or platforms where you can listen to different people that we evolve into. I, I tend to think that it's really important to have great questions to kick off anything that's interesting in audio. Great questions oftentimes lead to books, which become, you know, audible, which turns into a set of questions that are in a podcast. Um, I, I think that's particularly important. And I'm really curious how you think about the prompts that become the best questions for you. Are you thinking about them uh, with an idea that it's a human that's going to be the prompt? Do you care about the human intervention as the prompt? Or, or do you think that you can ask questions and do that through text messages or emails? Like what's the, how do you think about prompting a question with someone to get a great story from them? I think that's such a good question. And it's, I think it's one that we're also always thinking about um, for Saga. So well, honestly, at the beginning, a lot of the inspiration came from our earliest users. So we, we would just kind of pay a lot of attention to what they were saying it was like, oh my gosh, you know, my mom recorded this amazing story about, you know, um, this, this childhood story about how she got she had this she had this nickname and it all stemmed from you know this this uh this one thing that happened and so we would get kind of inspiration from them be like oh that's kind of an interesting one like we could maybe start that as what were what what were some of the nicknames you had as a kid how did you get them and that kind of ends up being an opening to like a much larger story um so we actually got a lot of inspiration from people kind of telling us like what was really eye-opening for them or meaningful from them for them um, I also think that for asking, because for us right now, we ask text questions, mm -hmm. we try to be really thoughtful about how it's phrased because it's so important. And I'm sure you, 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 you experience this all the time with the, on the podcast that it needs to be specific enough that somebody can grab onto it, but open-ended enough that you don't get just like a yes no answer or a factual answer but it actually un unfurls into a memory or a story and so we'll sometimes even build in sort of these natural follow-ups that say like well you know tell me a fact but can I tell me like why you know tell me more about that or whatever and you're kind of like encouraging the person to to open up um uh, certainly another thing that we also see is people just writing custom questions and so that is extremely powerful, you know, actually hearing um, from someone about, you know, this is a specific thing that I, I like, I, I love the story you always tell, like, you know, please tell me that story, you know, about, about the chicken farm or whatever. When you're, so, yeah, uh, when you're ready for, uh, uh, for interviewers, um, Sunil and I would be very happy to lend our voices. I just volunteered that you, Sunil. That would be so cool. That would be so cool. You know, and it's, it's, uh. Hey, potential, potential future partnership. Some of our storytellers, they just have them, you know, I, I think I, I've always believed this, but I think Sagi makes me feel even more that I think everybody has an interesting story to tell. Some of the, just the crazy experiences and histories and just the variation of them that come out yeah. from, from people on the platform with people who were like international opera singers and like skied to the North pole or, you know, like, uh, grew up as like a child movie star. There's incredible, you know, experiences. And some of them have expressed like wanting to share their stories maybe more broadly. So, you know, 
you're looking if you're looking for guests someday we've got some really interesting storytellers everybody has a great story so let's let's hit those um social media follows that you'd recommend first and then maybe a book recommendation <laughs> second this one was so hard for me. I feel like it's some sort of sign with Saga that like that so much of my interaction does tend to be these these private these private things. Okay, so am I allowed to? Um, can I share? Can I share a podcast? Is that too competitive? Can I share a podcast that I like? I think that's fair, Sunil. That totally works, right? Does that work? That's totally fine. It'll be a first. Okay, so I, I recently learned about a really a really cool podcast so um, uh, called Code Story, and so the reason why I like it is because so I, this is such a stereotype. Like, I, I'm a huge fan of how I built this. I mean, like you know, whatever, of course, like everybody loves you know all founders love like listening to how I built this. I, I find it so inspirational. I just love it. I um, mean, what I like about Code Story is that they tried to take the same format of like tell me about the story of creating something and building something. But they, but they interview the technical co-founder or founder. And so what I love about that is that I think it takes this perspective that often kind of gets lost, honestly. Like, so my, my co-founder, Andrew, he's the one who got interviewed on, on he actually got interviewed on Code Story, which is so cool. Um, like for me, you know, I'm the one who gets to have all these cool conversations with you guys. Like, I love, you know, telling the story of how we started and all of that. And I feel like it's not often that kind of sometimes like <laughs> the builder, like Andrew's slaving away 24 seven, like while we were, you know, building this app kind of gets that recognition again, gets to tell like their side of the story. Um, and so I love it. It's just like this, it's a, it's, it's, um, it's a great seed idea, but with this like cool twist on it and very Silicon Valley. Oh, dig it. How about the, how about the most recent book? Oh yeah. Okay. So this one's going to totally, I feel like this is, this is, uh, you're going to be like, Oh, that makes so much sense, you know, like with saga, but I read this great book, um, unfollow and it's a memoir by, um, Megan Phelps Roper. And so she actually was, um, a member of the Westboro Baptist church. And the book is about what it, so she actually grew up in the family and she basically tells the story of what that was like, why it made total sense to her growing up. And you know, so Westboro Baptist Church, as you guys probably know, is like kind of a notorious um, religious group. And it's sometimes famously called sort of, you know, the most, the most hated like group in America. And she gives this totally different perspective of like, when this is what you've grown up in, why it made sense to her at the time. And she actually ended up leaving at about age 28 and sort of what it what that journey was like for her to get to that point what it did to her worldview to completely change you know everything that she had believed in before and what that was like for her to separate from a group that not only was um sort of her religious group but it was literally her family um and so it's a really really fascinating story and memoir and i think is just uh it's it's extremely well written it's very, very well written. And, um, you know, I think it's, it's just very, uh, it really is, is very eye-opening about um, just how human everybody is, yeah. like no matter what side of the fence they are. Awesome. Thank you for the recommendation. Amelia, yeah, this, is, this has been great. Um, uh, we are excited to share uh, Saga with our listeners. Um, 
it's kind of meta doing a, a podcast about an audio company, but uh, it seems it seems really great. It seems like something everybody should use during the pandemic, particularly like now we're introspecting. Thanks for joining us today. And uh, Yasha, you got you got anything else you want to you want to share before I ramble myself into a, a <laughs> I was going to try and talk over you and just drop an extra dollar. And Amelia has been throwing cash at you on Zoom the whole time, though. So um, we're ready. This is great. I appreciate Thank the time today. So Thanks, Rick. So, Sunil, do you think uh, we're on our path to be replaced as podcast hosts by some app? Pretty soon we'll be, uh, you know, someone someone may be taking all of our interviews right now and creating AIs of us, which would be the most predictable thing in the world to create. <laughs> right. Uh, let me ask some questions about where you're from. <laughs> okay, done. Check. We got it. I enjoyed today's episode. I actually I'm pretty intrigued by this app and I'm not usually excited about apps to try out, but this one I kind of am. Yeah, definitely gonna, uh, I've already, I've already made my first saga referral. And so, uh, you know, hopefully people adopt this widely and I hope we don't, you know, lose stories from, from our wonderful people, um, right now. And I hope you use saga. And I, I think that um, we promised that we'd be the first voices, official voices, instead of text prompts. So, you know, if you happen to use Saga out sometime in the next several months, maybe hear one of the two of our voices asking you questions about your past. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Tune in for the next one. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as Sunil and I enjoyed recording it, Please go back to the application you found this podcast on, rank us five stars, leave us a comment. We read every single one. Thanks for listening to This Is Your Life in Silicon Valley.